Good morning, everyone. There is a certain kind of dopamine boost that we get. When we put out something onto social media and someone comes along and they hit that little thumbs up button. Why is that? Why do we like the like so much? Why do we like it when somebody double taps on our post and, and gives us the heart or says, good job, buddy, leave us a comment or something? Why do we enjoy that so much? I think there's a lot of reasons, and really this sermon is not about social media, so don't worry, but I think we like it when we feel like we've accomplished something. I like it, I think, I think we enjoy it when we feel like somebody approves of us, that they're giving us their stamp of approval and saying, you've done a great job. And it's not just the invention of social media that has created this sort of mentality in us. We have, I think, for the longest time seen this even in the Bible. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, Paul, again, as we've been talking about in this little series that I've been doing over the past few months called What's Good, we've been thinking about this verse, how Paul says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. He's telling us what to think about and how to, not only as he goes on in the next verse in verse 9 to tell us how to do good things or that doing good things is important, but first and foremost, we need to fill our hearts with good things. But notice here, and I brought this up in very, really the very first lesson, I think, in this series, but notice here the three words that he uses that express approval. He says, whatever is honorable. He also says, whatever is commendable. And then he says, whatever is worthy of praise. Something that's honorable, commendable, and worthy of praise is basically something that if, if someone were to get a peek inside of your thoughts, inside of your heart, would they give your thoughts the thumbs up? Would they approve of what you're thinking? Would they approve of what you filled your heart with? And would that make you feel good for someone to approve of what you are thinking? And that's really what this lesson series has been about, is thinking about and filling our hearts with things that are good. Thinking about what's good, I think, is important for us. And it's important for us to see that we fill our lives with so many important things as a Christian, as a follower of the Lord, we put into our hearts all of the great gifts and blessings that God has bestowed on us. And the first handful of lessons really in this series that we've discovered together is how God pours into our life good gifts. We've looked at creation and the amazing work that God has done for us in nature. We've looked at our work, the things that we get to do and putting our hands to, to some project. We've looked at how God wants us to rest and how all of these things then lead us into a life of, of real joy and pleasure. We, we talked about the joy and celebration that we have and that we can experience in this life, how God wants us to celebrate. He doesn't want us to, to walk around like people who don't uh, feel excited about serving him. God wants us to, to live a fulfilling life here on this earth. He wants us to be the kind of people who celebrate together, 
who sing together, who worship together, and who also use our varied and different gifts together to build up the body of Christ. And what an amazing blessing it is that we have this opportunity to just not only practice these things, not only do these things in our lives, but also just step back from time to time and appreciate. And that's really what this lesson series has been about. There's not been a lot of like, hey, here's the five steps to accomplish this or that or anything else. Really, this lesson has been about taking some time just to stop, look around you, and appreciate what God has done for you. Fill up your heart with those things. And I want to move on at the conclusion of this little series with this final lesson about really the, the virtues that God enables in us. God has called us to a virtuous life. And do we value the virtues that he calls us to? That's really the question. Do you value, do you give your hearty stamp of approval to the kind of person that God teaches us to be? Here's the thing. A lot of us spend time giving our hearty approval maybe to things that aren't worthy of our approval. You ever hit the like button on a post on social media that really isn't wholesome or good or true? You ever, you ever find yourself paying more attention to stars in Hollywood or sports figures or, or people who really don't deserve your attention? You know, we really think about how God calls us to a, a life of a higher standard. And when we see these qualities, not only in ourselves, not only when we aspire to be these kinds of people ourselves, but when we see these qualities in the lives of other people around us, do you give your hearty approval to them? Do you give your thumbs up to those things? So that's really what we're going to talk about here for just a few minutes this morning. And I want to think together about three virtues that I believe we all need to have. And here's the thing. This is not going to be a controversial lesson. I know I've said some things from the pulpit from time to time that people scratch their head at and they're like, what on earth is he talking about? Like, I'm not sure I agree with that. And, and, and good, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you challenged the things that I'm saying. But I don't think there is anyone here in this congregation this morning that's going to disagree with the things we're going to talk about this morning. I don't think anyone is going to be like, no, 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 no. I, Brian, I don't think we need to be worried about those things or focused on those things. Because I think everything we're going to talk about this morning are qualities that we see in Jesus our Lord. And if we put ourselves into, into service of the king, we will want to be like this ourselves. And we will see these qualities in other people, and we will say, good job. I approve of that. So let's begin this series, or begin this lesson here, by looking at something that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. And of course, I think at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus really lays the gauntlet down and refers back to all the things that he said from chapter 5, chapter 6, and then here at the end, in chapter 7, he really just puts it all at your feet, at my feet. and says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the wind blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And we'll stop right there, because everyone knows the song, right? You can all, everyone... Everyone can do the song, right? We, we know the song from little kids. The wise man built his house on the rock. And, and what I want to draw out of this, and I think what Jesus is trying to get us to see, 
is that everything that Jesus tells us is true. Everything that Jesus tells us is reliable. Would you agree with that? Would you agree that Jesus and everything that he says to us, he is honest? And I think honesty, knowing how Jesus speaks to us, knowing how our God speaks to us, honesty is one of the most important virtues that we can not only put into our lives, but that we can appreciate in other people. Honesty is so important, and I think when we really focus on honesty, it is so easy for us to look around us in the world and see people who are not honest, see people who are, are trying to trick us or trying to pull you know, the, the wool over our eyes or whatever it is. They're, they're trying to get us to, to be deceived. Honesty is a rare quality in this world, and we need to not only ourselves put honesty as, as a top virtue that we aspire to in our lives, but we also, we also need to appreciate it in other people. And here's the thing. I think we love truthful words because they are the language that our God uses to speak to us. There are a lot of verses, by the way, in the Bible where God speaks of himself or Jesus or the apostles speak of God and say that God cannot lie. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of words in the Bible to talk about how God cannot lie. Do those words need to be in the Bible? I want you to stop and just really think about this with me. Does God need to tell you that he doesn't lie to you? Does God really need to lay it out there and be very clear and say, I, I cannot lie, I will not lie? Or do you trust God knowing that he's given you the best of heaven? Why would a God who gave his only son for you why would a God who sacrificed so much for you lie to you? It's, a, it's impossible to imagine. I think if all the verses in the Bible that talked about God not lying, if all those verses weren't in there, I think we could still be assured that God does not lie when we see what he's done for us, when we see how much he cares about us. Because when you love somebody, when you really love somebody, when you really care about them, you don't lie to them. God only speaks truthful and wholesome things to us, things we can count on, things that we can take to the bank. And that's why we love the truth. We love the truth because that's exactly how God speaks to us. And it's amazing to me that what the freedom of truthfulness really is. Isn't it refreshing like drinking from a cool stream of water, isn't it refreshing to see honesty on display? Because so often, people put on their facade, right? People put on their, their show or their, their fakery. And it's hard to see through that sometimes. It's hard to see through people's dishonesty. But when someone is real and honest and straightforward like God is, who in Titus chapter 1, verse 2, it's clearly said that he cannot lie, that God, it's impossible for God to lie. When we really understand that, we, we know that honesty is something we put into our lives too. The writer of Proverbs, the wise writer in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22, explains to us how God hates it when we lie. 
Not only does God not lie, but he hates it when we do. And so that's why we put honesty on such a position of importance. That's why we value it. And it's easy, I think, to, to value or give the like or the thumbs up to somebody who on the surface looks really nice and has it all put together. That is, again, this is not a lesson about social media, please. You know, we, we, we see this all the time, though, on social media. We see how people's manicured, perfectly you know, explained lives are all there on display. Very, very rarely do you ever see somebody get real and raw and true out there on social media. You see like the real nice corner of the kitchen where I'm sure in the photo all the stuff on the outside of it is like, you know, Tupperware and all kinds of other like mess. And, but, but that one photo we see is like, oh yeah, serene and peaceful. A lot of things that we see out there are not true. But truth sets us free. We know as, as Jesus talked there in John chapter 8, verse 32, how the truth will set us free. Of course, he's talking about there his word. If you abide in my word, he says in verse 31 of John 8, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. He says, and you, know, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The way that Jesus speaks to us it sets us free from all of the, the skepticism or the confusion or the deception that's out there. So you and I all need to say true things. Have you ever had a friend who is like the brutally honest friend? You had that friend who like, dude, you got mustard on your face, man. Your zipper's down, dude. That dress does make you look fat. You ever have that friend who says those kinds of things to you and, and it's shocking to you because very few people are that honest. And when they say it in love and when they say it out of care and respect, you appreciate them because they're not pulling any punches and they want you to be better. They want you to see yourself the way that they see you. And those kinds of friends, you hold close. Maybe we can be those kinds of friends. And maybe when somebody does come to us and express that kind of honesty, we don't need to put our shields up like Star Trek. We need to actually put them down and say, thank you. I appreciate that. Because honesty and truthfulness are something that we really need to focus more on. And so I think here, maybe a question we can ask ourselves is, how would it change your relationships if you were more open? Are you the kind of honest person in this world that people find refreshing? Or do people feel like you're always putting on the show? Are you the kind of person who is sincere and honest out there in the world? And by the way, maybe you are this kind of person and, and maybe you've aspired to this virtue for a long time and that's good on you. But when we see, like for example, when we see our young people express honesty in their lives, when they're living sincerely, and following through with the things that they, they do and they say, can't we pat them on the back or give them the thumbs up and say, thank you for being honest? Can't we point our little children to other people, to other examples of honesty and show them that's a good example of honesty? Because so often our young people are confronted with the fake and the, the show. And you need not only look to, to many corners of YouTube to find that out. Hey, guys, 
you know, all the fakery and the show that's out there on YouTube where people want to be influencers and stars. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, kid. All those people out there who just want the, they want the likes. And they're not honest. They're not their real self. So how would it change your relationships with other people if you were your real self out in the world? So think about those things. And right off the bat, does anybody disagree like honesty is a good thing? I think we all agree. Not very controversial. So let's move on to our second non-controversial virtue. And that comes from Isaiah chapter 42, of course, the, one of the great servant songs there in Isaiah. And this is speaking of Jesus in Isaiah 42, verses 1 to 3. Actually, you can continue on reading. There's a lot there about, about the Messiah. But I think pulling off maybe the first few verses here, we see how he says, Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. Now stop right there. I know you want to keep reading. Just stop right there for a second. Put yourself in the position of a Jew in the first century. And they're reading this. And they're reading about somebody who is going to bring justice to the nations. And they want this Messiah, they want this servant to come and lay the smack down and bring out the chosen from Roman oppression. But what is the servant going to do? He will not cry aloud. He will not lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. Jesus did not come in the kind of violent, angry way that some of the Jews of the first century wanted him to come. They were really surprised when Jesus came and ate with tax collectors and sinners. They were really surprised when Jesus spent so much time with broken people. They didn't understand it at all. And so what I think we need to see from the life of Jesus as our Messiah is a life of humility. There again, honesty, would anybody disagree with that as a, as a valuable thing in our life? What about humility? No. Of course, humility is important. We all believe that. We all agree with that. We know it's important to be humble people. But humility is one of the most important things that we can not only practice in our life, but appreciate in the life of other people. Because humility doesn't get enough credit. There are times when you go see a movie, and at the end of the movie, you know, sometimes you'll stay for the credits because you're waiting for something exciting at the end of the credits, right? And you see all the credits, you see like hundreds of names on the screen, you know, just scrolling by you, all the people who were, who were responsible for the production of this movie, right? And when that movie gets put onto television, onto broadcast TV, you know what they often do with those credit sequences? They shrink it down to a tiny little corner of the screen and they speed it up like a thousand times just so they can say, we showed the credits. Well, no, you didn't. All the people who were responsible for making that movie behind the scenes, they get no credit at all. And that's a shame because they were the ones who were really responsible for 
for putting in the effort. And so often, the people who humble themselves don't get that kind of credit. And I think when we lift ourselves above others, when we find ourselves putting ourselves in a place of preeminence, we forget that our king lowered himself for us. We forget that Jesus got on his knees and washed his disciples' feet and then told them to go and do likewise. Because it is so tempting for us and it is so fashionable for us to want to be out there and the center of attention. We want to be the first. We want people to see us. We want that big like on our social media. We want it so often. But Jesus, Jesus didn't. Jesus lived a life in which he lowered himself. He was the king. He, as the servant, could have come and wiped everyone out who wasn't following him, but instead he quietly, resolutely, served people, served broken people, served people who didn't deserve him. And I think you know, so powerfully Jesus explains about his own ministry and what he's able to do as his disciples, oh, they're just having a hard time with this, aren't they? Throughout Jesus' ministry, his disciples, they are complaining, they're talking amongst themselves, and they are asking themselves the question, who is the greatest? And in Mark chapter 9, Verse 33, when they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you discussing on the way? And, but they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who is the greatest. Why did they keep silent? Well, they know, they know that that's not a discussion that they should be having. And they don't want to talk to Jesus about that. They're embarrassed of it. And so he sits them all down. And you can just kind of envision Jesus like shaking his head, disappointed in his disciples again. He says, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. Because you know who every one of us are? We're not amazing people. Newsflash, sorry. I mean, this also is not a very controversial statement. But newsflash, you are not perfect, and neither am I. We're all sinners. And as Paul talks about in Romans 6, we all deserved death. But it was God's grace that he extended to us. It was his free gift that he extended to us that even gives us the hope of coming to know him someday, coming to spend eternity with him someday. And so we lower ourselves because we know we're no better than anyone else. And of course, Paul in Philippians chapter 2, I mean, he talks a lot about this. Philippians 2 where he explains really the, the power of humility because the power of humility starts in the person of Jesus. He talks to us about having the same mind as in Christ Jesus, that we all should not live with self and selfish ambition or conceit. He says, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. We look at other people and we appreciate them. We put them on the pedestal. And we don't put ourselves on the pedestal. We don't need to be first. We don't want to be first. That's not our goal in life. And while humility is an important thing for us, let's think about how we approve of other people. 
Do you give the, the thumbs up on social media to the person who's standing up and says, hey, everyone, look at me. Oh, yes. I appreciate your pride and your arrogance. Or do we stop and take a minute when we see true humility on display? When we see the, the way that an older Christian, a seasoned saint, makes way and steps aside to let someone else come in and learn? Do we, do we give that our hearty approval rather than the people who want the attention so badly? I think it's so powerful for us to to really love the things that God loves. When God loves something, we better love it too. And God loves humble people because that's who his son was. And we need to love humble people as well and appreciate them and tell them, oh, I know, a humble person, a truly humble person is going to deflect and they're going to dodge. Every time you say, good job, humble person, they're going to be like, nope. And they don't want to accept it but just lob it at them anyway. Because that'll help them continue on and give them the motivation they need to, to push to be more like Jesus every day. Okay, so two very non-controversial things, right? Honesty, humility, and then let's close this thing out by thinking about really maybe the last thing. And if you will be a servant of all today, I think you'll find that service really looks well, like something like this. Matthew 5, verse 8. He says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. A short little verse. As Jesus there in the Sermon on the Mount, sort of beginning everything, talks about those who are pure in heart. And that's really what we're focused on. Honesty, humility, and holiness. Holiness is not controversial. We all know that holiness is important. And notice here as Jesus talks to this Jewish audience in the first century, when he talks about being pure in heart, this word, this Greek word, pure, in the Septuagint is translated as basically all the way back to the, the purity laws, the food laws. You remember back how when God gave the people the instructions on what was clean and what was unclean and what they should eat and not eat, it's this same word, purity. What is pure? He's talking to them about not being pure of plate, not being pure of hands, but being pure of heart. And that's a sea change for them. That's a, that's a very different mindset than maybe they've always had. Because you know the Jews of the first century were very concerned about being pure in what they ate and being pure in, in keeping themselves unstained from the Gentiles and their, their cooties and everything else that they had. They washed their hands when they came out of the market, and, and they wanted to be pure. And Jesus throws that under the bus, and he says, no, no, you be pure in here. That's the most important thing. And so being pure in heart is a, is a new paradigm for us. It's a shift in our mindset. And so holiness, holiness is so important, as all of these things are. It's such a holy life that Jesus lived and left us an example that we follow it. We want to be pure, like Jesus was pure on this earth. And so, kind of like going back to Philippians 4, verse 8, when we fill our hearts, when we fill our minds with goodness, there is no room for the filth of sin. When you just completely fill up your life with good, 
pure, wholesome things, you don't have any room to dabble around in sin, to dabble around in deception or pride or arrogance. You, you're sincere. You have your integrity. You are the kind of person who not only practices on the outside what you believe, but you believe it at your core. And so that's such a powerful, maybe way to, to end this whole thing out. We need to fill our hearts with all the best things. And again, this is not a lesson about social media, but as you look around on social media, you see all of not the best things. There are so many things out there that you can see, that you can look at, that are trying to pull your attention away like noise or distraction in your life. And the more we let those things pull at us, the more we find ourselves getting closer and closer to the devil. We're not fleeing from him anymore. And so I think it's important for us to think like David thought in Psalm 51, one of the great Psalms. In Psalm 51, as, as David really in his sin, after his sin with Bathsheba, he had these thoughts to himself. And he wanted, as he says in verse 7, for God to wash him whiter than snow. He knew that he had stained himself. He knew that he was no longer pure in the eyes of God, and he needed God to wash him. It wasn't up to David anymore. David couldn't do it because he knew that he had already made a mess of his life. And as he goes on in Psalm 51, verse 10, he asks God, he begs God, create in me a clean heart, O God and renew a right spirit within me. God, make something new deep down within me. We don't need to be the kind of people who dabble around in sin. We don't need to be the kind of people who find ourselves getting too, too close. Paul in Romans 8 verse 5 says, for, the, for those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their mind on the things of the Spirit. And isn't that what we're talking about in this lesson? In this whole series, really. What do you set your mind on? What is it that you want? What do you want to be like? We need to set our minds on pure things. We need to put our Lord firmly in our, in our view and follow him and be holy like he's holy. Get rid of all the defiling influences. Paul in Colossians 3 talks a lot about the defiling influences in our life, and there are a lot of them. But not only do we need to be holy, not only do we need to be the kind of people who look at our lives so clearly and just lay it all bare and give ourselves the kind of attention we need to address our shortcomings, because it is really easy for us to overlook things in our life, right? We can just so easily overlook the way that we're living, the things we're thinking about, the things we've set our mind on. But maybe, maybe is there something that you can do to give it more attention, give your thoughts, your life, your heart more attention? And once you do that, once you really focus on yourself, can't you then also turn your attention to the other people around you who are living in holiness? To the, to the brother or sister in Christ who, is, who has given you an example for decades and decades on their holiness, on their purity? Can't you say thank you to them for the guidance that they've offered? Can't you say thank you to a young person who bucks the trend of their society, of their 
high school age group or their middle school age group who doesn't want to follow along with the, the rest of the crowd? Can't you give your hearty approval to those who would love to hear how you appreciate their holiness? I think for all of us, it's just so important that we pay more attention to some of these things, how we value them. Because, yeah, we can say that we value them, but, but do we really get specific about it? Do we really stop and make a moment with somebody and say, thank you for doing the kinds of things for the Lord that you're doing? Thank you for being honest. Thank you for humbling yourself and serving other people the way that you do. And thank you for being the kind of person who never stains themselves with sin. What a powerful impact that you can have, not only on your own heart when you fill up your, your life with good things, but what a powerful impact we can all have on each other when we turn to each other and express our appreciation, our hearty approval for the things that other people are doing for the Lord. That's really this lesson. Again, not very controversial. I hope we'd all agree with these things, that they're good, that they're important, and God wants us to be like his son Jesus in all of these things. And if you this morning have found that you are not like Jesus, if you have found that you are not the kind of person who's living in holiness and integrity, if you've not given your life to the Lord yet, or if you've fallen away from the Lord, we would love to help you start or continue your journey today. We talked about holiness. We talked about purity. Purity comes through baptism in the blood of Christ. Purity comes as he does the work of washing away your sins. That's where purity comes. And we need to follow those instructions. And if you need to follow those instructions this morning, then please come as we stand and sing. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing?